And let's pray. Loving God, we give thanks for this day. We give thanks for your Holy Spirit that is here with us on this day, that empowers us, enlivens us, helps us to listen. And Lord, whatever the message may be, we need to hear a message from you. There are things going on in our lives, and we need to hear a word of grace and love, a word that you have for us specifically, but also a word that you have for us corporately as your people. So help us. Help us to hear from you on this day and be blessed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, some time ago, I heard an untrue yet interesting adaptation of the biblical account of Adam and Eve. So God was talking with Adam, and God said, you know, Adam, as I've watched you, I can see that you really need a helper, don't you? Adam answered, yeah, Lord, I really do. So God said, well, what if I made you the perfect helpmate? She'll be beautiful. She'll love you. She'll laugh at your jokes. She'll cook and she'll clean. And overall, she'll just take tremendous care of you. And Adam says, Lord, that, that sounds amazing. But how much is something like that going to cost? <laughs> and God replied, well, it's expensive. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. <laughs> Adam thought for a moment and then said, well, God, what can I get for a rib? My friends, anything that is worthwhile has a cost attached. The more worthwhile, the more valuable, the more the cost. In today's scripture, Jesus tells his followers that there is a cost to being a true disciple. You know, the great reformer Martin Luther once said, a religion that does nothing, that saves nothing, that gives nothing, that costs nothing, that suffers nothing, is a religion that is worth nothing. Or to paraphrase the great German pastor, thinker, and writer Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says this, we don't want discipleship that costs too much. We want a cheaper discipleship, a discipleship that costs no more than what we can comfortably afford, and it requires minimal sacrifice and involves minimal pain. My friends, our scripture passage confronts us today, and it reminds us that Jesus wants dedicated followers, women and men who value service to Jesus Christ and to the kingdom of God. Now, in today's passage, Jesus, Jesus uses a very strong image. Luke 14, verse 26. When I read that, did you cringe a little bit? You remember, you remember what it said, right? 
Whoever comes to me and does not, and here's the word, hate, father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even hate life itself, cannot be my disciple. I hope and pray that when you come across verses like this in the Bible, you slow down. You might even stop and say, okay, Lord, what's going on here? Because you know what? That's exactly what this passage is going to do. It's going to make you uh, thankful for good theological base and also combine that with sound biblical understanding. And maybe just then you can start to understand what God is trying to say to us. Meaning, is Jesus really telling us to hate our parents, to hate our spouses, to hate our children and family, and even our own lives? I mean, remember Matthew 5, Jesus tells us that we're supposed to love our enemies. So we love our enemies and hate our families? How do I deal with this imbalance? What's going on here? Well, I want to remind you that when Jesus is speaking, Jesus is speaking in Aramaic, the Hebrew. And the Gospel of Luke is written in what language? It's written in Koine Greek. In Hebrew thought, there is no word for like less or love less or prefer less. So Jesus would have to use the Hebrew word sane, which translates into the Greek as hate. Now actually the Hebrew word sane covers a wide range of negative emotions from intense hatred for the enemies of God to something that just needs to be avoided altogether. Examples of the use of the word sane can be found in Genesis 29, 31, and 33, and also in Deuteronomy 21, 15. Moreover, the Hebrew word sane also means to abandon, to leave aside, to quit, and even to relinquish. Now, I believe it's this nuance that seems to be present here. So with this in mind, Luke 14, 26 means this. If anyone comes to me and does not relinquish their ties to their father and their ties to their mother and their ties to their spouse, their brothers and their sisters, their children, and yes, even their own life, they cannot be my disciples. Now, even with that explanation, this verse and this passage is very strong. Jesus is saying our primary tie is to Christ as a disciple. And that trumps any family tie. Now, indeed, in the first century AD, that was the very option that Jews who began to follow Jesus would have had, wouldn't it? You know, we found out that Orthodox Jews, when they had 
a family member become a Christian, when a family member began a disciple and started following Jesus, you know what they would do? They'd have a funeral service for that person, signifying that they were dead to their family for renouncing their faith and becoming a follower of Jesus. For those people, it cost them everything. Sometimes it even cost them their life. It's a reminder that discipleship is not for the faint of heart. Now, what does that word disciple mean? Well, it's actually derived from the Latin word discipulus, meaning pupil or learner. The Greek word that's used most often in the New Testament is mathetes, which means someone who binds himself to their teacher to acquire their teacher's practical and theoretical knowledge. You know, the word that we would use today is apprentice. That we would become apprentice to Jesus. That we would be the apprentice and Jesus is the master. You know, the word disciple is also closely tied to the word discipline. And it's true, it's hard to be a disciple without some discipline. And our definition of discipline is to bring under control in training and obedience. A wise person once likened the Christian life to a river where the banks of the river define its path. When there's a healthy bank, when there's healthy definition, there's a healthy river. And that healthy river brings life. However, when the river bank is not healthy, where the river bank is overflowed, well, the water there becomes stagnant. It becomes a place for snakes and mosquitoes, a place for disease and death. Discipline in the Christian life is like the banks of a river. We cannot be disciples without discipline. Socrates, the great philosopher, once said to a king who wanted to learn all of Socrates' teachings quickly, he said to him, there is no royal road to learning. And there is no fast road to becoming a true disciple. Now let's also understand something here. There's a difference between being a disciple and being merely a believer. And the difference is exactly in how we live. And that's where that powerful little epistle that James wrote becomes so meaningful. Because James chapter 2 starting in verse 19 says this, you believe that God is one, and you do well to believe that. But guess what? Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? 
Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works. And faith was brought to completion by works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see, a person is justified by what that person does and not by faith alone. Again, it's important for us to remember that discipleship is not an overnight event. A true disciple doesn't grow from a seed into a tree and then into a tree that bears fruit just overnight. It takes time. It takes cultivation. It takes being near to the love of Christ. You know, there was a story told about some evangelistic outreach that was done at a university. There was great preaching and revival and singing. At one point, a young man came forward to speak with one of the evangelists, and they got into a dialogue. And the evangelist was talking about how meaningful it was to have a a life in Jesus Christ. And after they had talked for some time, he said to the young man, young man, wouldn't you like to become a a Christian? And he looked and he said, no, I guess not. It would cramp my style. Let's be honest, right? There are times that we feel like being a Christian can do what? It cramps our style. But I think when those times come, when we really think it is cramping our style, maybe we don't really see exactly what's going on. And when we have the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ and to become an apprentice, to become a learner, to become a disciple, what are we saying? Are we really giving up that much? Truth is, it's not really about a choice anymore. It's about something bigger. It's about this thing called surrender and saying, Lord, I give up. It's not about my life anymore. It's about my life in you. And then the minute we are able to truly surrender and to say it's not about me, That's when we really do our best work as a disciple. That's where we do our best growing. That's where we do the most learning. That's when fruit becomes so apparent upon us. Because now we're not defined by our own self. We're defined by Jesus Christ. We're living literally into that love of God in Christ Jesus. And that is power that is living and my friends if you've ever really done that we talk about sacrifice but really it feels like blessing but it only comes when we surrender and isn't that the hardest part oh lord have i ever surrendered 
And the problem is I've had to do it more than once. And I keep having to do it. And maybe I'm not the only one. Matter of fact, that's what we need. We need a total dedication to Jesus. But it's also a total dedication to surrendering. Luke 14, says, In the same way, any of you who don't give up everything cannot be my disciple. Can we really surrender and give all of it up, all of our notions, all the things we think ought to happen and say, okay, Lord, I'm open. May your grace fill every part of me. In some ways you may think, oh, that's death. But I want to say to you, no, that's nothing more than just life beginning when we can truly open to Jesus. When Jesus calls us to be a disciple, Jesus is calling us to a relationship, a radical relationship of love, total dedication to Jesus. Now, I will say... I want to challenge you with something this morning, okay? I want to ask you this. What trinity are you following? Ah, you didn't know there were more than one trinity, did you? Well, are you following the trinity of me, myself, and I? Or are you following the trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? My friends, let's surrender and let's live a life totally dedicated to Jesus Christ. Let's be a disciple and let's be filled. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.